All right, well, this morning we're in actually 1 Corinthians chapter 7 as we continue our trek through the book of Corinthians this morning. Um, so if you want to make your way there. Um, and, uh, you know, last week we kind of finished up talking about the body and how and what we do affects uh, it affects the Lord because we bring the Lord into everything that we do. Now, obviously, we're talking about sexual immorality last time. And if you just want to glance your eyes up the page to the end of chapter six there, you know, it talks about sexual immorality specifically. And, uh, you know, when you have sexual relations outside of marriage, um, you know, it it's it's. It's wrong. It's against God. And as a matter of fact, you bring and even lists obviously a prostitute as well. It's you, you're becoming, there's, um, you know, the world doesn't think Christians should talk about sex, but the Bible has actually a lot to say about it. And, uh, you know, there is something beyond just the physical aspects of it. Uh, the Bible clearly says there's something about your who you are, your soul, if you would, that is intertwined with the person that you are having sexual relations with, which is why the Bible is very clear on how we should be and how and where the place is for those sexual relations. Now, God gave us the sexual drive. There's no question about it. He, he gave that to us. It's a gift from Him. He gave everything that has to do about, with it, um, you know, that, that's good. He, he gave to us. Now, obviously, just like with everything, people pervert it, and it's obviously perverted, but we, we, we just can't go off what everybody else does with it because now it's cheapened and not considered anything of value. And in fact, if you hold on to anything of, of morals, of you know, staying uh, pure until you get married, is just looked down on in our society, as a matter of fact. It's not, not held up as a virtue. It's looked down on and made fun of. Uh, you know, and Hollywood's been doing that for years, uh, you know, uh, making the most ridiculous things and almost on almost every TV show or movie, if they bring up somebody that has is, is a as a virgin or has never had sexual relations, they're always made fun of or put down and looked down upon. And we just need to remember what the Lord says about that. And, uh, you know, he's talking about that. And we, we spent some time talking about it. And we're going to kind of roll into some of the questions that they wrote to him uh, having to do with marriage and singleness and, and living, you know, for the Lord in and through those situations and, you know, in, in through, uh, uh, you know, sexuality within marriage and with singleness. And so he, you know, he's going to talk about that because they're going to ask, you know, these questions and uh, kind of reminds me of that little four-year-old Susie that, saw or heard the story of Snow White for the first time, right? She, you know, she could hardly wait to get home from preschool to tell her mom about, you know, what she had heard about Snow White. And she retold the fairy tale to her mom. And, you know, she talked about how Prince Charming had arrived on this beautiful white horse and kissed Snow White back to life. And then, uh, you know, and Susie, you know, said, do you want to know what happened next? And Yes, her mom said. They live happily ever after? No, responded Susie with a frown. They got married. <laughs> you know, that's how a lot of people look at, uh, look at uh, you know, uh, marriage and, uh, you know, that whole kind of thing. You know, you lost 
some sort of passion, uh, you know, outside of, you know, being single and being, you know, uh, active uh, sexually in that way. And so, again, here we, we, we're going to talk about this morning the questions that the church wrote to Paul. But keep this in mind, he is speaking to those in the church, you know, those who are believers in life. Um, he's going to address a little bit of non-believers uh, in, in a little bit, but he'll specifically address that. So remember, he's speaking to the church here. He's speaking to believers. This is not really, um, you know, people outside, you know, who don't know Christ as their Savior, just won't get it, won't understand it, won't make sense. It'll seem archaic and old-fashioned or, you know, something three or four generations ago. And again, he's speaking to uh those in the church and there's very clear teaching regarding singleness and you know being married the bible's really clear on that and and sexuality involved in and around it so it's not like uh, well i kind of do what i feel what i think you know the, the bible's got very clear instructions on this and so verse one says now you know concerning the things which you wrote to me so again we're talking about the questions they had and they have some very in important issues they want to discuss, again, being single and being married. Um, and I, I don't want to say this before we start, too. You know, after the decision to accept, you know, Jesus as your Savior, the decision we, uh, we make regarding with marriage is probably the next most important. So it's, 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 it's important that we understand this, um, and it's important that we pass this along as well. Uh, you know, there's people that you're that, that the Lord's going to bring our way that are single or are, you know, struggling maybe in marriage. And, you know, we have an opportunity to share what the Lord says and tells us about in his word. And uh, really, a, a, a person's chosen partner can make or break a person's life. It's it's that it's that big of a deal. Um, I always think of that story. I don't know uh, if you remember back in, in uh, Saul was the first king. We went through it not too long ago on Wednesday night. He was the first king in Israel, and he wanted to get rid of David. You know, David was, you know, he had knew the Lord anointed David. He had, you know, sinned against the Lord, and, you know, the Lord, you know, he gave him opportunity, and finally he said, you know, I'm just going to raise up somebody that's got a heart for me. And, you know, he had this, you know, he wanted to get David so that that wouldn't happen. And he used his daughter, and I'll put the verse up here, 1 Samuel 18, uh, 20 through 21. It says, Now Saul's other daughter, Michelle, loved David. When the place to bring him down. So, again, this is really important. It's really important that we pass this along, that we continue to share this with people, what the Lord has to say, particularly single people. you got to beat the drum, because what happens is your heart starts moving in a place and if your heart starts moving in a place towards a person and, and, and you know, it's really hard to, to get that, that horse out of the race. I mean, once you start falling for somebody, you, you know, uh, it, it's just hard to, to stop that train. I'll, I'll keep going horse train, whatever, you, you know, bullet train. I mean, you really, you just start going in that direction. That way, you know, you need to put up these uh, filters or these yield signs, you know, to allow the Lord to come. No, no, is this right before you move into those places? And it becomes a very difficult place. So again, he's, he's telling this to the church. And of course, they have questions about it. And he's already talking about this. And, and you know, and he's rolling the letter now into some of their questions. And he continues on in verse 1. 
It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. So we start out with being single, then being married. Okay, it's good to be single. And that's kind of the idea not to touch a woman, um, you know, obviously sexually, because sex is ordained by God in marriage only, right? So the, the idea and some of the more modern translations or paraphrased versions kind of worded a little bit maybe easier to, to understand. But, you know, being single is good. Now, this, he'll talk about this on a number of occasions in this chapter, but, and again, he, he points that out because society, particular back then and particular with the Jews, and even, even today, even many societies today, being single is looked down on. Um, and of course, the Jews believed that, you know, God commanded Adam and Eve to um, be fruitful and multiply. You know, man and woman are together and they're to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, they're to have a lot of children. And that's why you see the, the, the Orthodox, if you would, Jews today, um, they'll have huge families. You know, they're kind of like the Mormons in that. <laughs> you know, it's all about having uh, children and they get married young and they'll have huge families like probably our parents did or grandparents, depending what generation, maybe great-grandparents for some of you, uh, you know, came from very large families. And, and it's, so it's, you know, it's still, look, even in our society, being single is kind of, you're kind of looked a little, you know, a little sideways. You know, why are you older and not really married? And so he, he says, first of all, it's, it's, it's okay to be that way. You know, he addresses that right away. Uh, again, uh, not to touch a woman, not, not to be sexually active. You're, you're, you're not doing that, um, as he talked about in the last problems. And then he says, but, you know, I understand that's going on, uh, you know, straight. I understand that, you know, you have a desire and, uh, and you know, there's those passions you have. And, you know, and it hap- being married is, 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 is great, too. Um, you know, he addresses that. And both are good, and he'll spend a little more time talking about both sides here uh, by way of introduction, so I will get into it a little bit more. But first he's going to address and go kind of straight to the heart of some of the marital problems. And I don't know if this was written in their letter or not. It, it doesn't say, but, you know, go straight to the heart of, I would say probably one of the most, uh, you know, it's up there with probably money um, and, you know, maybe children in there, but this is you know, probably one of the biggest things, uh, issues and problems that comes in marriage, which is sex. And he's going to hit it head on. And verse 3 says this, Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Verse 5 says, Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting, prayer, and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So one thing you need to be, um, again, clearly said and clearly understood here that sex is designed by God for marriage alone. Now remember, he's talking uh, to believers in the church who are married. 
And uh, again, I, I, I want to state this because it's, it, it gets kind of mixed up in our minds. The Bible, you know, the father is not embarrassed to talk about sex and, and to talk about it very plainly and very uh, clearly. It's, it's not embarrassing to him. It's not like that little three-year-old boy that him and his dad went to go to a neighbor's house to see this new litter of kittens and, and returning home, the little boy, you know, runs up to his mother and he goes, there was two boy kittens and there was two girl kittens. And the mom said, well, how did you know that? He said, well, daddy picked them up and looked underneath them. He, he said, I think it's printed on the bottom. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, uh, he, he's not ashamed of that. And uh, we just need to make sure we understand that. He, he has very clear instructions in this as well. And this one we just read probably is one of the most disobeyed instructions in Christian couples' lives. You know, quite frankly, I, I think, you know, this is probably, you know, certainly up there in marriage, one of the most disobeyed instructions. But the only godly outlet for a sex drive is in marriage, and when with, one withholds it from the other, big problems can happen. And, uh, you know, we have to think, you know, we have to consider the other. That's what he's saying here, right? You have to consider the other, what the other feels. Um, you know, it's not about you. And of course that, you know, goes back to the foundation of not being selfish and self-centered and all those other principles that we know in scripture. Certainly we, we're called to bring that into the marriage. But here specifically talking about sexual relations in a marriage, because that's the place that's ordained, um, then if one, of, one person withholds it from another, um, it, it's, it's, it's going to cause a lot of problems. And as we'll see here in a little bit, you know, uh, uh, you know, problems the devil's going to use to get in there and put wedge in, in between marriages. And we have to consider each other. And you have to consider a partner's sexual drive and not necessarily your own. Um, you know, obviously there should be some mutual understanding there, but the clear teaching is that you have to think what you know, your spouse or your husband or your wife, whichever it might be, you, you know, what's their desires are, not just what's me. And, uh, you know, we shouldn't have the proverbial headache, if you would, you know, you need to be sensitive to the others. It's kind of always, um, you know, one of the funny line about that, oh, sorry, honey, not tonight, I have a headache kind of a thing. And it can't be that way. And sadly, I'll say this, uh, you know, I, I think in part, hopefully it's a small part, but it does drive the pornography industry, right? It's not right, it's not good, but typically it can be an outcome. And when, you know, when one says, I'm just not up to it, or I don't feel like it, or I don't, you know, like it that often, or, you know, that's just, you know, whatever, um, and the other one does, and, uh, you know, it, it, it does not good. It's not right. It certainly shouldn't happen. I'm not justifying in any way, but what you do is you open the door for that temptation because it's out there. You know, it's bombarding you. Now, I'm getting older and I don't really look to all the new, I, I kind of YouTube annoys me and Snapchat and all those online things. I just, I guess I'm getting old because uh, I don't really like, <laughs> I like to go to YouTube for if I want to learn about something or the kids show me something funny or something, but you know, 
the younger generation, that's all they go to. And the ads are now, you know, embedded in these things. And a lot of them are very, um, you know, promiscuous to say the least, or they'll be, you know, sexually, you know, whether it's kind of hinted at or, the, you know, it just, in, in a man's eyes, you know, it, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Your brain totally works different. You know, you see something and man, it, it could just light a fire in a second, just some, what be might even be some obscure commercial or or something but you know there's a picture of some girl or wearing something you know what i mean it it just there is so much temptation out there that it just you know it's that's a reality and it's not right it's not good but again uh, if things are right in the marriage then you know one of those things it, 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 it i think it really dampens that allure to the outside uh, pull that's constantly there. And again, um, there can be a time where you say, well, listen, you know what, we have this going on and this is a very serious thing. Uh, let's seek the Lord on this. Let's seek it together. Um, but again, it can't just be one. It's a mutual thing. It has to be mutual. One's going to say, well, I'm, I'm being spiritual and you're just, you know, interested in having sex, but I'm going, you know, it can't be that way. It has to be mutual. If it's not mutual, then it, then it doesn't happen. And the person that maybe wants to for a very spiritual reason, not because of any other reason other than, you know, what does it say? You know, fasting and prayer, obviously, you're, you're serious about this. And the other one doesn't see it. Then, you know, the, that person that does says, okay, I'll just continue on. And, and you continue to pray for the partner and say, well, Lord, you speak to them and let them see that we need to call a time out and, and do this because of this situation or some circumstance. And, and you show them and then obviously when they both agree, then that's um, what we're supposed to do. And, and again, I said it's on very later on, but you notice at the end of um, verse 5, it, it, it says that, you know, if this is ignored, Satan is there waiting to cause a problem. If this isn't listened to, if this isn't adhered, the devil is going to use that as a door to, you know, to make a wedge in a marriage. And um, it's clear he's waiting to cause problems in that area. Now, verse 6 says, But I say this as a concession, not as a command. For I wish that all men were even as I myself. But each one has his, his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. So we, we say here, you know, um, Paul, we see Paul is, you know, single-minded. Um, he's talking about, you know, uh, you know, I look at it this way, Paul would say, you know, he's, he's expressing his opinion. You know, I, I, I look at it as I, I think it'd be great if people can stay single, um, you know, and just serve the Lord with their whole heart, um, you know, uh, and, and, uh, you know, and, and be single minded towards the Lord in that sense and be single in that way. And, uh, but not everybody has that gift. Now, of course, the question is about, you know, Paul, and I won't, you know, it's kind of pure, it's, I guess it's not pure speculation, but there is, you know, a lot of people believe that he was married at one time uh, because of what Acts tells us, that he was part of the vote for Stephen, casting against it, which means he was part of the Sanhedrin, and we know that they had to be married to be in that. So, because of that, 
and a couple other verses that kind of walk around it a little bit. You know, a lot of people believe that he was married and either his wife had died or, you know, when he became a Christian, maybe he just left him. It, it, it doesn't really tell us. And um, but the bottom line is that he, you know, from that point on, if, if that being the case being true, that he stayed single and dedicated his life. And he understood one thing too, you know, it's one thing for a person to be persecuted. It's a whole nother thing for persecution to come against your spouse and your children, right? I think a lot of us, you know, would endure the, the, the persecution of some, you know, think of Afghanistan. I think that's probably one of, you know, probably Ukraine might be even more relevant, but I don't know a whole lot of stories, um, specifically about that yet they haven't really come out yet but you remember when we just decided to pull out of afghanistan instantly and you know everybody's trying to get on the plane and there was always this problem is you know whoever stays behind the taliban is you know because they worked for the americans or supported the americans in some way that they knew that there was a price to be paid if you didn't get on that plane and get out of there and you weren't on there then you're gonna you know they they were gonna zero in on you and as a matter of fact i think they even left lists of all the afghanistan's afghanis i guess is the proper way of saying it who actually helped and they were able to get that information and so you can imagine what was look what was waiting for those guys and uh, you know what w- would be one thing if you 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 left and and then your you know family was left behind and suffered that persecution you know it would be it'd be very 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 difficult and i'm sure some people that couldn't get their families out just decided not to go because you know uh let them you know beat me up but you know my wife and my children or my husband and my children let them you know be safe and so i think in, in some sense paul was looking at it that way i understand there's persecution i've you know received persecution from almost the time he became a christian um and you know how much better not to put them through anything and have to worry about that and so that was kind of his heart and kind of his overwhelming desire for you know people that could receive that calling but i want you to know this and it should be said because i think this is important um it's a gift from god to be single uh it's a gift from the lord if you know if you are just wired where you you know marriage and another person it's not something that is a desire something that you know well okay i guess it might be nice or something but it's not really that big of a deal or you know you have that heart and it's um then then that's great it's a gift from the lord in fact this is how jesus put it in um, matthew 19. Uh, he was talking about marriage and we'll talk about the preceding verses to this in a little bit but you know he's talking about marriage and you know what you're supposed to do in marriage and of course when the disciples heard this they answered in verse 10 you know, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it's better not to marry, you know, not to divorce. And there's all the things he was teaching just prior to this. And their response was like, maybe we shouldn't get married. And this is what Jesus said regarding that. Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For some are eunuchs, single, because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men and others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept it, accept this should accept it. So what Jesus, you know, talks about is that, you know, some of them, you know, you're, you're uh, 
uh, you're, you're born that way. It's in your wiring or it's in something that, you know, marriage is just not on the menu. Others, uh, because of cir circumstances in life, it's just not on the menu. And others, it's, it's a gift. Again, you know, having a wife and a children or a husband and children and families and all that is just, uh, you know, again, not something that you desire. You might look at it and say, okay, that's great or anything, but you know, it's not a big thing in my heart. Um, I would say, you know, if you really, you know, have that heart and, you know, you see uh, a, a guy or a girl and you think of marriage, you think of family, that's probably just not a gift. And I, I have a feeling it's a very small minority of people, but if it is, then you accept it as Jesus said. And that's what Paul's saying here. It's, it's a gift. It's a good thing. It has some benefits. He'll talk about that at the end of the chapter. Some great things that, that help you in your spiritual walk, that are, that are a blessing in a spiritual walk. But again, it's, it's, it's a gift. Um, and, and it's really a calling. And if that's you, then Jesus said you should accept it. And um, so he goes on in verse 8, But I say to you, the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now again, Paul's kind of focus in this in a lot of ways is, at least this first part certainly, um, is talking about the sexual drive and the sexual component in this because not marriage, marriage is not, a place of, you know, again, because he's the, the context of this is talking about sexuality. He's kind of addressing that. He'll continue to address other issues within marriage and other important factors as we go on and certainly as we go through the New Testament. So again, it seems like this is kind of heavily one-sided, and it is. But he's not talking about, well, man, you know, okay, I'm not going to burn, uh, you know, uh, the, you know, I have this passion, this and that, and, and, you know, keep going on. And so if I have passion, I better put, you know, that's the whole reason to get married. Uh, well, if that's your whole reason to get married, you're just going to have a rotten marriage. Okay. You know, if you, if you think it's just going to, first of all, if you think that it's, um, you know, if you think that's going to put out all the fires of passion, marriage, and you're, you're sadly mistaken. And, and secondly of all, again, um, you know, uh, he says he strongly encourages those that have the gift to stay single to do that because, again, Paul's looking at it as we should look at it. Hey, it's the end time. The Lord could come at any time, and I want to spend my entire focus on what the Lord's call has for me. And, uh, you know, but if, if it's difficult, and that, again, is not the way you're wired, the way God's gifted you, well, then marry. But, again, it's not all about passion and self-control. That's not the whole reason. He, he, he looks at it in this sense here, but there's many more reasons he'll talk about in marriage uh, as, he go, as we go through it. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy, I think it is chapter 4, he'll tell Timothy to instruct the younger, in, in Ephesus, to instruct the younger women, younger widows to get married because, you know, they're really young and they got, you know, their husband died when they were teenagers or maybe their early 20s and they really should get married. Uh, because it's 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 going to be too much for them to you know stay single from the next sixty years or whatever forty years or whatever it might be. So he encouraged Timothy to tell them in the church, hey, the young women, your widows, 
you know, look to get married again. So, I mean, he'll say that then. So it's not completely all this one-sided, but this needs to be said very clearly as well. You know, it, it, being single is good. It's a calling, and there's some great benefits to that. But I don't want us to forget it's not all about passion and, and self-control. Um, it, it, there's so much more in marriage than that. As a matter of fact, I like this quote. Um, it says, if someone has a problem with lust or sexual sin, they should not think that getting married itself solves their problem. Many a Christian man who has been grieved to find that his lust for other women did not magically go away when he got married. And again, uh, we need to remember that. You know, he says that because that's the proper place to have sexual relations. And so, you know, if that's really your drive and it's this big, you know, passion and you, you know, have this big sexual drive, then, you know, then marriage is the is the only way, the, the, the godly outlet for that. And so if you do have that, then, then marriage is great and fine and wonderful, and that's a place it should be. And that's what he's talking about here and, and reminding us. And so, again, um, talking about sex in marriage is, is the godly way of, again, of that passion and that drive. That's the, that's the, the outlet for that. Now, verse 10 tells us, he's going to try to change gears here a little bit. Now, to the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, a woman not to depart from her husband. But even if she does, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. Now, again, this goes strikingly against our society today. But the Bible's pretty clear, you know, divorce is just not an option in the Christian marriage. Uh, you know, that old funny story about, you know, after, you know, wife after so many years, you know, how's your, you know, 50th wedding anniversary? They're all celebrating it. What do you think about, you know, marriage, you know, and after 50 years, have you ever thought about divorce? And she said, oh, no, I never thought about divorce. Murder, yes, but divorce, no. <laughs> you know, that old funny joke that probably heard a million times. But again, it's just not an option in the, in the Christian um, vocabulary. It just, you know, for marriages and believers, it's just, it can't be... Um, it just can't even enter the mind. You know, you just have to, it's one of those things when you get married, and one of the important reasons why you marry the right person, you marry the Christian, and all those things I've talked about for so many years over and over again, and beat the drum is because, you know, when it's like that, then, you know, you're married, you're getting married before God and before the witnesses, and you're, you are saying your vows in front of people that they might encourage you to continue to keep those vows. You're saying those vows to the Lord. You're making those commitments to each other. And, and again, uh, then the word divorce just has to be taken out of the equation. You just, in, in your mind, you have to kind of set something apart and say, that's just not a place I'll ever choose to go it's just got to be in your mind. It just has to be in your mind. Now, again, uh, you know, uh, this guy is a knucklehead, let's say, and she's, you know, supposed to depart, so she splits, you know, uh, you know, uh, the old 
story is, oh, she, you know, here's a woman, she's married to some knucklehead or something, and, you know, he's this and that and whatever, and, and you know, she finds some attention in another man, and, and this could be reversed. So I just happen to pick women because it's Mother's Day. I don't know, <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, uh, just, uh, you know, she gets some attention this way, and then she finds someone who's interested, and she thinks, oh, this is finally what love's all about, and I'm going to get rid of him and get him, get, and then sway it for this guy, and you know, again, how many times have you seen people do that and been around that and, and, and it never works out? I mean, I, I have never, ever heard nor seen or experienced anybody where that kind of thing ever worked out, ever. It, it, it's just uh, because it's just so far out of God's will. It really is. And it usually ends up pretty badly. Um, but again, what we have to realize through this is um, we don't want to shortcut the work of God. You know, there are abilities to separate. There are times to separate. There is that. Um, it, it's, it's, it's talked in there a little bit, and I think there's some room to, but the idea of that is only so that you can be uh, reconciled. You know, God is working on both of them and, uh, you know, working that they should uh, get back together. The idea of if, you know, if there needs to be some sort of separation, then it's only so that you can reconcile the, the problems. And again, I'll, I'll put up in Matthew 19, you know, uh, the verses preceding what we just uh, read there in Matthew. He says, haven't you read, he replied, this is Jesus speaking, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one, and therefore what God has joined together, let man not separate. Again, pretty clear teaching. We need to do that. Um, and, and when a person just you know decides, I'm just going to get out of this marriage and marry somebody else because you know of this, that, or whatever, and not um, what they can really be doing is shortcutting the work of the Lord, you know that the Lord's not going to work on that other person. And actually, He's going to work on both of them, but certainly on that other person. The person said, well, I just, you know, it's too long. I've waited long enough. I've been patient long enough. Now I need to act. That's really the attitude when a person just gives up and says, that's it. I'm going to, you know, divorce this person and move on and find somebody else. Uh, you, you've just, you know, really, for the most part, you've cut out any work, that the Lord could do in that person's heart, in that person's life, and you said, I'm just going to you know, do it my way because, you know, time's up or whatever the mood might be. And uh, you just cut out the work of the Lord. Again, here, here's another quote I... Oh, I didn't read the rest of the verse. I'm sorry, let me get back to that. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you divorce to divorce your wives because your hearts were hardened. But this was not the way from the beginning. And I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. And again, he was probably talking to men, so the reverse is true with the women. So let's just make sure that's clear. You know, this is God's will. Allow him to work in that and be patient in that. And don't cut him off, cut off the work of the Lord to, to work in your heart and the other person's heart. Be faithful. 
That's God's plan. That's God's will. And again, I'll put the quote up here. Surrendering is not an option if you plan to win a war or succeed in a marriage. I firmly agree with the San Francisco attorney whom I heard say, there are two processes that must never be started prematurely, embalming and divorce. <laughs> you can hear Chuck Swindoll say that, can't you? <laughs> be careful. Allow God to work. It's just not his plan to divorce. You know, Jesus gave something with a marital unfaithfulness, but even still, uh, you know, it's just not, okay, that's it. I, I, I talked to somebody who I knew a number of years ago. Well, I knew very well. Um, as a matter of fact, it was a number of years ago when we were attending Calvary Chapel Santa Cruz when we first moved up here to start the church. And we got to know a number of families there. And I got to know, um, you know, a number of families. And some of them had older children. And, you know, I actually at work, I met another person. Um, I met him. Uh, now he's a lot older. He was in his teens when I first met him. And years had gone by. And he was married and had some children. And um, he was, I, I talked to him. And he said, you know, I was, uh, I was struggling. Um, with, you know, internet pornography, and I went to a men's Bible study, and, you know, I thought, I, I just need to come clean with this, and so at the men's Bible study, you know, he felt like this opportunity, hey, I'm, I, you know, coming clean with this, I'm struggling, I, you know, want help, which is great, what should happen, and everything, and confessing it, and not keeping it in the dark, right, and, and so, um, you know, he, he's talking about that, and then word got back, um, through a family member to his wife uh, about this. And literally, I, I said, what happened? He said, well, she, she filed for divorce. And I said, what? And he said, he, he, she filed for divorce because I committed adultery. And he goes, I was just trying to... Now, I'm only hearing his side, okay? And I'm only making a point out of this. I'm not trying to make a big issue about this. But uh, other than make this point, he says, you know, because... You know, she said, you know, I, I committed a, a, adultery. Can I just say wrong? <laughs> That's not what he's talking about here, okay? Because it, then you could take it to every uh, point when you look and you have a lustful look, Jesus says you committed adultery. So, right, that, that would pretty much rule everybody out, certainly, to committing adultery right then, and everybody would be divorced. So let me just, let me just say, you know, uh, you know, adultery is, is pretty clear-cut in the Bible, and you can't nuance it. You know, I'm sure she was hurt, and if, if it was 100% true, I, 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 you know, understand the reaction. And I've heard people say that to me, you know, hey, if my husband looks at pornography, isn't that cause for divorce? No. Can I just? No, it's not. It's not biblical. Now, you might be hurt, and you might hate it, and, it might be, and it's wrong in a million different ways. Don't misunderstand me. But again, when he talks about that, um, clearly <laughs> don't prematurely start the process, right? As Chuck Mendall would say here, just be really clear on that. And, and God always is interested in restoration. So let's just, let's keep that clear, you know, keeping them together and particularly having children, all the more reason. Okay, let's, we're going to just read through a little bit more and, and call it a day here. But verse 12 says, But to the rest I say, not the Lord, uh, say, 
But I'm sorry, let me start again. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if a brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who does not believe, uh, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if an unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. And then he says this, For how do you know, O wife, whether you will, uh, you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Now, here's the next situation he's going to be talking about. He's talking about when one comes to know the Lord and they're married to two unbelievers. Okay, that's the situation, right? One of them comes to know the Lord and the other one doesn't know the Lord. And again, um, uh, you know, you, you could think of maybe your own life or people that you know that have gone through the situation. One comes to know the Lord, the other one doesn't. And, and the encouragement that we receive here is to hang in there. Um, you are the biggest and best influence for your spouse and for your children. That's what he says. Remember that. Now, I understand, you know, it, it can be hugely difficult because, you know, you're over here and, and, and they're over here. Uh, you know, you're walking with the Lord and their passions, their desire, their thinking is completely opposite, right? And it's just black and white. There's just... You know, uh, it, it's, it's just very difficult. They're, they're serving something completely, you know, they're serving themselves and the world and you want to serve the Lord. But just don't forget, you, if you stay in there, if you hang in there, you're going to be the best and the biggest influence on your children and on your spouse. And so, you know, there's a special covering uh, that they receive because of your faithfulness and because of your faith in that whole family situation. So hang in there. Now, if the spouse says, you know, uh, 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 again, uh, you know, uh, one of them certainly wants to leave. The unbeliever says, I can't take this anymore. This whole church thing, this whole Jesus thing, this whole Bible thing. You're not the person that I married originally. And I just, you know, you're just some weirdo now. I, I Bible person, Jesus freak kind of person, churchy person. And I just want to continue partying and living and do the old thing. Then, then Paul said, you know what? Let them go. Let her go. Whatever the case might be, if that's what they want to do, uh, then, you know, obviously you're called to be, uh, to be at peace. But again, um, this is the unbeliever talking and not the Christian, right? Okay. Just make sure that's clear. And again, um, he he understands that, that that's very well could happen because it's just oil and, and water and they, they're just not going to mix. But he reminds the believer in there, not only are you the biggest and best influence for your children, and your spouse, but who knows that you, your witness and what you do and those small things that you do day in and day out and you know they see you reading the bible they see you praying they see you going off to church they see you you know uh doing this and this and honoring the lord and in, 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 in all sorts of ways in your life um you know you're going to have an influence on them um again um 
you are going to, as it says, that how do you know that you won't be the instrument that the Lord uses to bring them to him? As a matter of fact, you are, 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 are a great instrument and can be a great instrument in that area. And don't forget that. Because it would be easier in a lot of ways and a lot of times to give up because being in those situations, uh, uh, you know, is just, is, it can be very horrific. And uh, there's a lot of encouragement here of why you should hang in there and stay. And, and remember, um, I, I just remember the days growing up when people, someone would stay in the marriage just for the sake of the children. You know, and I still think, you know, that's something that's so lost in our society today. You know, they, they, that was a, you know, yes, it's generations old, but they would say, I'm willing to hang in there just for the children's sake. And uh, now it's just this narcissism, you know, I deserve to be happy. What about my happiness? And I deserve this and I get deserve this and it's about me and I should be happy. And uh, man, you know, uh, that should never come out of a Christian's mouth, you know. The world doesn't revolve around you. Uh, you can't have this narcissistic or this high inflated opinion of yourself and uh, think that, you know, it's all about me and my happiness and life. The world revolves around me. That's how the world thinks. That's not how the Christian is to think. And yes, you have issues and problems, but our God is bigger than those things. And he wants to see things work out. He wants to see you know, that testimony and that witness and that covering and that love uh, within the family. And you're bringing, just as you bring Jesus into sexual immorality, you, you bring Jesus into the dark place too, right? This is just the opposite of that. You're, you're, you're bringing it into the, the, the house where it's been dark and now you're the light. And yes, it's hard being the only light. And yes, there's a lot of battles between that, but you're bringing the light in and being, again, the most effective witness because you're right there 24-7, if you would. And, and you can't just turn the the dial and say, well, it's about me and my happiness. And what about me? Don't, shouldn't I get what I want? And I want to be, you know, the Christian guy or a girl that you know, loves a lot. And I'm putting up with this and not, listen, I understand that could be our natural way of thinking, but it's not the spiritual eyes that the father wants us to look to these things through. And uh, again, so much to say about sex and marriage and singleness in the Bible. God is so clear on that. And, um, We'll be covering that here in the, in the coming weeks as we go through the rest of chapter 7 and, and looking at that. But for today, let's, 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 let's stop here. Father, we thank you again for this instruction, this clear instruction, Lord. And I, I know there's probably those that are listening that are in one or other of these situations and circumstances. And we do want to hold them up and pray for them. You know, every marriage takes work. It is always work. It's going to be work. But I, I pray that we would treat it more as a labor of love and not as a ball and chain. Um, that something we get to do. We get to be a light to our spouses. We get to be a light to our children. We get to be a light to each other. Um, and, and, and it's a get to. And I pray we look at that. I get to think about my spouse and their needs um, you know, sexually, and, uh, you know, of course, there's so much to say about other things, um, and, and your word does address all those other things in marriage, but today we're just looking at where we are, 
And so they get to do that. And isn't that what love is, Lord? Thinking about somebody else and you're putting aside maybe how you feel or what you think for the moment and, 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 and elevating them up. And um, that's how you describe love. And if we're to love one another, that's certainly what it should look like um, in the marriage. And we do pray for those that are single that want to be married and feel like that's, you know, a desire and they have that desire to do that. And yet they seem to be single, Lord. We ask that you would just continue to give them patience and, and allow them to prepare them for the day when you do bring the right person. And so we do pray for that, that you would continue to work in them and that you're doing a work in them and the time isn't right yet because you, you haven't brought that person and help them to be patient. And for those stuck in difficult situations where they feel like they're the only light, Lord, we pray that you would strengthen them and bless them and remind them the great and awesome work that they're doing, even though it might be frustrating and they don't see any change is coming, but Lord, it is working because your spirit does not come back empty. It doesn't uh, not work. It always works. It always will accomplish what you please, and that's to work in people's lives. So it will do that. And yes, you give free will, and there's time, and we know how stubborn we've been in the past, Lord, and so we need to take that into consideration. But Nonetheless, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them and continue to keep them on the firm path, Lord, that you've called them on. And it will bear fruit, Lord, because it is your word and it is you and it is your love and your love for us is beyond measure. So we thank you for these important lessons, Lord. May we continue to take them in, but also, Father, how important it is to share them with, with the youngers and those coming up and those in those situations and, 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 and be always... Uh, uh, your mouthpiece to those that uh, you bring our way. For we ask this all in